Hi, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, and it's a sweltering Ontario, Canada today. Hard to believe. Two weeks ago today, we had an inch of snow, and we're here with episode 21 of the Yacking podcast. This is where we talk about life, business, and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for a changing world, and it's changing a lot as we talk. We have another very interesting guest for you today, but I'm going to first welcome Kathleen. Hello, Kathleen. Over to you. Hello, Peter. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in. We so appreciate you. And yes, we do have a very special guest with us today. In fact, I've had the great pleasure of meeting her some time ago. um, And you'll find her story very interesting. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Please welcome Tanya McIntyre. Tanya has a website called gotta love love and we will caption that at the end of this episode and she also has a radio show called the good news only and uh, she's also very well known as our perpetually positive pal so tanya without further ado please tell us a bit about yourself thanks so much guys great to see you again kathleen and peter thanks for having me on your podcast i um i love this format and I think what the pandemic has done for me uh, has made me appreciate technology for what it is. I mean, we are so fortunate to live in this era. And I just, I just love this. I facilitate reco- addiction recovery meetings. Um, I do face-to-face meetings. And since the pandemic, I've been doing them on this platform. And I have to say, people are different when they are an on, in an online platform in the comfort of their own home as opposed to being in strange surroundings, meeting strange people. So I am just loving this, you know. um, (laughs) I I guess I'm living up to the perpetually positive pal thing, always looking for the positivity in crisis, right? And uh, I think in every crisis, we have to look for opportunity. The only certainty of life is it's uncertainty. So I'm I'm, uh, grasping that (laughs) sometimes by the skin of my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Uh, Tanya, I, I know from talking to you before and reading on your website, you, you've had a long career in journalism and broadcasting with, with a couple of switches. And we get onto the switches a bit later. Tell us about your early years in uh, broadcasting and journalism. I know that you went through a bit of a transition, but how did it all start? Oh, wow. It started with, uh, I went to a Catholic high school, so my guidance counselor was a nun. And when I told her I wanted to be a foreign correspondent and travel the world covering global events, she said, oh, no, dear, that's no vocation for a lady. <laughs> so my, my dream got was, got, was derailed for a while. Uh, I ended up going from one end of Canada to another, from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I happened upon a Japanese man who was running an oil and gas corporation at the time in the um, late 70s, early 80s. And he had a lot of uh, friends in the stock market world. And one of those friends, I used to screen his calls for him. I was his administrator. I believe we called it executive assistant at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the only uh, really wise thing I did throughout high school was take typing because it actually got me that job. (laughs) Between that and and my handshake, he said, kind of clinched the deal. And he was a wonderful mentor. And when I was screening his calls, uh, all the stockbroker friends used to comment on how great my voice was. And I said, you know, I really appreciate you saying that because my dream was to be a foreign correspondent. I wanted to be a journalist. And one guy, Doug Hall, bless him, he said, well, have I got a deal for you? He said, if you're willing to get up with, uh, you know, the birds, the break of dawn, 
and come in to the radio station and do my business report. I need somebody who can read the markets, do a, a, a comprehensive, concise business report on the, the local radio station in Vancouver. And I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. So I did that for a couple of years and one opportunity led to another. So I actually launched my journalism career without a journalism degree. Right, interesting. Wow. And, yeah. and yeah. now you lived in Spain for four years, didn't you? How did you? I did. Go? Yes. Well, um, yeah, I tried to learn Spanish too. I went to school for six months to do that. And uh, as you know, as life kind of deals you a deck that you have to, uh, you know, play the cards you're, you're dealt kind of thing. I just, I'm not academically inclined. I could not pick up another language. So I think some people are adept at languages. Some people are not. I clearly was not. Um, not to mention there's a huge British expat community and German expat community oh, in Majorca, Spain. So there's no real need to speak Spanish, right? Which is not helpful when you're trying to learn another language as well. So that four years, I actually was helping uh, business professionals uh, perfect their business English. So yay me, uh, uh, before I left okay. for Spain, I went to Wilfrid Laurier University and I got the TESOL certification teaching English as a second language, thankfully. <laughs> so that got me through my four years in Spain. Uh, well done. Oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> Um, now let's talk about the transition. Something happened that you decided to get out of the conventional route of journalism broadcasting, make this huge transition uh, into your own radio show. So tell us what led up to that and how, and how you went about doing that transition. Well, it started, I started to get um, odd feelings, you know, throughout my career. I was a news junkie, literally. I lived and breathed news for as long as I could remember. But then I started to see the corporate side of things and the mm -hmm. agenda that corporations typically run, you know, and I thought, wow, this is, uh, this is all skewed. People are not being informed. They're being misinformed and they're being programmed for an agenda by mainstream media to perpetuate what I like to call the FUD factor, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Mm -hmm. And I know this to be true because I am embarrassed to say I was part of it for over 20 years. So what happened uh, when, when my, there was a, a, an audible click in my psyche, literally, I heard it. Uh, and it was in 1998, I was one of the first reporters on the scene of the Swiss air crash at uh, Peggy's yeah. Cove, Nova Scotia. So I come from that part of the country. So going back was bittersweet. You know, it was this beautiful, serene place was now just a massive gravesite. So I covered the carnage and despair for a couple of days. There were reporters from all over the world there. Uh, the, the whole scene was just surreal. And then uh, we were told to get down to the hotel because everybody was being shuffled onto buses and, and taken to the, the capital, Halifax. So I was doing my reports from a phone booth. And I don't know if you remember 1998, but cell phones were just making the scene That's and they were right. big, they were very heavy and very expensive. Yep. So I was doing my reports from, from a telephone booth. And I had... Over those, those couple of days, I had some kind of a psychic meltdown for sure. I needed to change gears because I felt like I was drowning in sorrow. And there was a collective voice from people in Halifax. They all said the same thing. We need to rally together and greet these people with love. We want to open our hearts and homes to these people who are coming from overseas to collect what little remains of their loved ones. Mm -hmm. We don't want them ending up in a bleak, empty hotel room. So I thought, wow, yes, 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 that's my story. That, I'm going to make that my story. 
And when I filed that first good news report, my news director came on the phone and she said, WTF, before WTF is even an acronym. <laughs> right. <laughs> she said, you know, what is this crap you're giving me? I want to see the blood and feel the pain. And I had the receiver and I, I remember holding the receiver away and that's when it clicked. And I, said, I thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. I just can't be part of this anymore. But then I was overcome with the FUD factor, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. What will I do if I don't do this? Right. This is what I had done all of my adult life. So I, I thought, well, at least I left that particular network. Uh, I ended up being a news director at a small heritage station, thinking that I would have some autonomy over what we were broadcasting. But then you remember 2002, uh, then President George Bush declared an illegal war on Iraq. Right. And I had interviewed uh, the director of the local Red Cross about what we Canadians were doing on a humanitarian level to help the innocent people who were being bombed under the guise of looking for weapons of mass destruction. And I, after my first newscast, my morning newscast, like clockwork, I knew it would happen. The owner of the station called me and he said, where is our war coverage? And I said, there's all kinds of it on every other network in the world. And I am not walking down that path of perpetuating American propaganda. I will not do it. And he said, well, you better find yourself another job. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been out of mainstream media since 2002. Okay. Now, did that propel you to Spain or, or, or not? Was that when you well, went to wh Spain? What does a journalist do when you've lost 22 years of your vocation? So I did what you know, most adult women uh, who are looking for another career would do with no skills. Right. I'm going to be killed for this one, Peter. I got a real estate license. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to make me popular with many people, I know. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all, that's all I could do, right? I had no degree. I had no, no university. Uh, you know, I had a journalism background. Right. What can you do with a journalism background when you're blacklisted by mainstream media? You can't get a job. So I, I got a real estate license. I sold real estate for four years and then the opportunity came for Spain. Ah, okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So I can certainly empathize with real estate agents. It's not an easy job. It took me two years to even make any money. And then I think if I were to look at my hours, I was still only working for minimum wage. Yeah. Yeah. And paying your own gas too. <laughs> yes. And the marketing and advertising. Yep. That killer. Yep. Yeah. So I know. Spain. Oh, I'm sorry, Peter. Uh, you no, I was just going to say, Kathleen, I know you wanted to ask uh, Tanya something there. <laughs> so after you return from Spain, now that you have your own radio show, you're very, very successful now, Tanya. How did that come about? How, did, how were you able to put this all together now? Well, I think you have to redefine success, Kathleen, because a lot of people equate success with monetary gain. And that's never been a driving force for me. For me, success is doing what I want to do when I want to do it and hopefully make a little money along the way. You know, I think money is like energy. If we keep energy flowing positively, uh, the, the money will follow, right? I, I remember my father used to say that, follow your passion and the money will follow. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, right, sure dad. <laughs> uh, but it's, there is some truth to that. And I think as we mature, we start to realize what's really important and is the six-figure income really worth what you're jeopardizing uh, in your health and welfare and compromising, you know, to do that job. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, for me, community is, is front and center. My family, my community, 
and I want to align with people who think the same way I do. And, you know, I, I know that's probably in many ways not a healthy way to live because I love diversity as well. I, I, you know, I don't um, avoid opposing opinions. I welcome them, but I still want to be, we become the company we keep, right? I want to surround yep. myself with people who are on the same path. And that's especially uh, important when you're on a, any kind of a recovery from addiction journey, <laughs> as I have been since 2009. Right. So you also describe yourself as a mindfulness mentor. For those of us, for those viewers and listeners that really don't know, can you describe what that is exactly? I was introduced to mindfulness when I started my addiction recovery journey in 2009, John Kabat-Zinn is kind of the grandfather of mindfulness. He started the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Center in Massachusetts. And the idea is that uh, we quiet the mind long enough to just contemplate and reflect on life and try not to think of anything. I mean, that's almost impossible when we're inundated. You know, now here we are, 2020, and we are seeing 3,000 advertising messages a day. That's more than our parents saw in their lifetime. And we mm -hmm. are exposed to it daily now. And all of these messages are telling us the same thing. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not rich enough. You're not hairless enough. And you're definitely not slim enough, <laughs> which is why I always tell people to take the diet that really works, a media fast. Don't watch, read, or listen to news and feel how much your life improves. And yeah. I know that to be true because, you know, and people say, oh, yeah, but I have to stay informed. And I'm thinking, hmm. If you're exposing yourself to mainstream media messages, you're not being informed. You're being misinformed and programmed for the FUD factor. So I always kind of defer to uh, Denzel Washington, that great actor who has been dragged through the coals more often than not by mainstream media. So I love quoting him because, you know, we tend to hold celebrities in higher esteem for whatever reason. And he said, if you don't read a newspaper, then yeah, perhaps you are uninformed but if you do read a newspaper you are most definitely misinformed misinformed yeah. so th those are the words of denzel washington and i just happen to agree with them now kathleen i see i get on these tangents and i forget what your question was i, I was just asking you what is a mindfulness oh mindful <laughs> mindfulness is focusing your mind so you can concentrate long enough to answer questions uh no it's actually quieting your mind and uh just being aware of your, what you're, you know, notice what you're noticing and just be calm and try not to uh, analyze everything. You know, for me, I'm kind of probably a, a undiagnosed OCD. I jokingly say, no, I'm not an OCD. I'm a CDO in the order it should be in. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for me, mindfulness was key for me to quiet that, that part of my uh, physiology that just wants to go, go, go all the time. So be mindful of what we're, what we're noticing. Like I always, I always say, I quote Mary Morrissey for this one. She says, notice what you're noticing. Yep. It's really important to take that time to notice what you're noticing. You know, when we, when we just uh, act as a receptacle to all the stuff that's being portrayed and presented to us all the time, and almost like through osmosis, we're creating beliefs without even giving it much thought. Yeah. 
So be Absolutely. the gatekeeper of your mind, right? To just notice what you're noticing and question everything. You know, I, I love Deepak Chopra. He said, break the hypnosis of social conditioning and think yep. for yourself, you know, do that creative um, and critical thinking that is so important, especially now, because we're just, we're fed so much misinformation. It's criminal. <laughs> it's absolutely criminal. What yep. do you think of platforms uh, such as Facebook? Because, you know, if you're on Facebook right now and you, you look at all the different posts and, and uh, oh, there's, it's very, so information. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, you know a lot of people with opposing views. Uh, it's, yeah. What are your thoughts? It's, well, it divides people, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to divide because if you can distract and divide people, we don't have time to pay attention to what's really happening. Yeah. Right? We don't have time to hold our governments accountable for not balancing budgets and mm -hmm. spending our tax dollars responsibly. So it's always divide and distract, divide and distract. That's the agenda because then yep. we just don't have time, you know, to, to say, Oh, I'm going to phone my, my MP, my MPP. I'm going to send a letter. I'm going to get a group together and we're going to go down with placards and protest on our day off. Nobody has time to do that because we're all embroiled in these unproductive dialogues that mean absolutely nothing. I think we have three people reading from the same hymn book here today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump in and take you back a little bit to your Good News Radio show because you had some really good guests on that show. I mean, I remember one a couple of years ago with a huge story to tell. <laughs> Um, how often do you sorry. and a book to promote as I recall yeah well, yeah, well I wasn't going to go that far it's your, <laughs> you're the guest not me um, how, how often do you broadcast Tanya? Well it's funny you say that Peter because my life took a big change last, uh, last year, last October I was a driving instructor and I had an accident at work Oh, yes, so uh, my husband and I ended up buying a property on Ontario's west coast as a retirement investment and we've been working on that. And um, as you guys know, uh, uh, creating a, a radio podcast is a full-time job. Sure. And, you know, to, to read the books and do all the background checks and the research required to do a, a good comprehensive interview is a full-time job. And also because I, I like to practice what I preach and, you know, I, I don't align myself with any kind of marketing messages makes it very difficult to sell a program when you sure. won't align with marketing. Mm -hmm. Now, I suppose I could, if I wanted to spend my time and direct my attention, energy, and focus to finding sponsors that I could align with in clear conscience. But my interest is not there anymore, Peter. It's just, you know, it's run its course for me. Uh, the good news only will always be a passion for mine. And I think I will give it uh, a rebirth down the road. But for now, my, my uh, attention, energy, and focus has got to be elsewhere preparing for the rest of the unknown that faces us, right? Right, right, right. But you, you, I think that was tongue-in-cheek, uh, bought a property as a retirement investment. You're talking long-term investment. I can't believe you're anywhere near <laughs> thinking of retiring, are you? Oh, you're so sweet. I would like to retire sooner than later because if this pandemic has taught me anything, is that my partner, my beautiful husband of 29 years this wow. year, uh, we got to spend two glorious months together and we want to do it sooner than later. Oh. So yeah, we want to retire as soon as possible. 
And if I remember rightly, you 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 have your own place now. You had another weekend getaway on a lovely little lake somewhere. If I remember yes, rightly, yes, yeah, we just uh, had another nice little uh, view of that lake yesterday on our way back from Ontario's west coast. We stopped and it's Paradise Lake. It's, uh, right. it's a beautiful spot. Yes. Nice, and that's nice. part of mindfulness as well, right? To just sure. take the time to just embrace all the beauty that's that's available to us, which we yeah. don't have time to do because we're all working, you know, eight, 10, 12 hour jobs, a lot of times jobs that we hate. And uh, yeah, it's sad. And I think this pandemic has taught people that there are far more important things than working a job to pay bills and credit cards that are charging you yeah. 20 some some credit cards are now 25 percent yeah right there's yeah. just no way in our lifetime we're going to be able to ever pay off that kind of debt and north americans are carrying more debt than savings now yeah it's just a sad commentary on how Absolutely. we've just been consumed by consumerism yeah. right and, and i think we needed this pandemic to say wait a second this is crazy capitalism is not sustainable we cannot do this anymore right Tanya, you're also a published author. Oh, thank you. you yes. Philosopher Dad. Tell us about that book, please. Well, you know, I, again, I'm so grateful to live in this era where we can self-publish our work. So I would love a publisher to pick up my work, but I, I wasn't waiting around for that to happen. Sometimes we have to make our own um, success in life. So I wanted to actually have this book while my father was still alive because my dad was a single parent. He brought up me and my baby sister on his own in the 60s when it, you know, it was unheard of doing, doing that back in the day. And there was, no man, parenting, yeah. Yeah, there was no parenting handbook other than maybe, I don't know, Dr. Spock, maybe he referred to time and again. But my dad was very well read. He loved reading philosophy, thankfully. So anytime me and my sister would go to him with a problem, he would spit out this line of philosophy. <laughs> so much so that I used to lovingly call him philosopher dad. And uh, I, wanted, okay. I wanted to put all of his philosophy in a book and celebrate, celebrate with him the publishing of this book. But he died before I could finish it. And then I was mired in grief for 10 years trying to finish it. Every time I went to finish it, I would just go back and you know, keep, just keep reliving the sadness. Finally got it done a couple of years ago, and it's available on Amazon. So just go to Amazon and um, just put in Philosopher Dad, and I, I, I've gotten a couple of five-star reviews. I've gotten three royalty checks. Good. So that's kind of cool. Okay. I'm going to jump in with a quick one. When you mentioned publisher, Kathleen and I spoke to Anthony Raymond Malinsky. Correct. Uh, from Mikowski, sorry, I, oh, I got it wrong again. From Callisti Publishing, I got that part right. Uh, he was a really interesting guy. If you go back, I think it was episode eight, seventeen, or eighteen, um, and he he does a sort of hybrid publishing thing. He he acts a little bit like a conventional publisher, and he works in the genre that you write in: positive thinking and uh, personal development. And we, we had a good chat to him. He might be a good guy for you to get hold of for Excellent. down the track. So I'm just throwing that out there for what it's worth. Well, during this pandemic, actually, I started my second book. And good. The, the title is, What Are You Waiting For? <laughs> there you are. Be worth yeah. getting hold of him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kathleen, you you've got something else. Writers? Uh, yeah, keep writing. 
and keep at it. It took me 10 years to finish Philosopher Dad because I couldn't stay focused on the prize, right? To, to really just pay homage to the wonderful man that he was. So stay, stay true, be, be sure you've got clarity on what it is you're trying to convey and just persist because what we practice grows stronger. So it takes practice. Make mm -hmm. sure that you're disciplined, you know, to sit down for however long you can every day to do something, anything, just to make that commitment and it will happen with anything, not just writing a book with anything. Sure. If you just right. make a commitment and take small little baby steps, little baby, you know, you can't just one did, bite at a time. That's all we can do. Right. Did you have um, a routine when you were writing your book? Did you have like a certain hour that you got up and, and you, or was it just random? Just whenever? No, it wasn't random. Everything in my life has to be routine. Otherwise I won't do anything. Right. I mean, if you look up procrastination in the dictionary, <laughs> my picture is there. <laughs> so I definitely need a routine and I have to stick to it every day. So as soon as my husband leaves for work, he's got a 90 minute commute to go to his corporate job every day. I don't know how he does it. So then I would take that time as soon as he was out the door to go to my computer and dedicate at least a minimum of two hours a day, Monday to Friday to, to work on that. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. it was actually a meeting with Peter when Peter and I got together and had coffee one day he was just so generous with his time and expertise and wisdom and experience to read the book and give me some, some wonderful um, suggestions. And that really kind of just, that was kind of the, the fuel I needed to, to get it done. So thanks Good. for that. Good. I, I, when I spoke to you, I, I knew you had it all, all bottled up there and you just need to finish it and get it out. So I sense that. So I'm glad that you, you got it done. That was, that was really good. Uh, we have got a little bit of time left. I'm, before we ask you how people can contact you, I just want to go back to something you said a little while back. You were saying people have got time to think with the pandemic and, and assess their lives. When things get back to something like normal, whatever that's going to be, do you think enough of them will wake up or, or what's your thoughts? I sure hope so. Um, so do I. I think, yeah. I think for the ones who have the liberty of a choice. So if you, if you've got, you know, an, a lot of debt that you're facing, for instance, I think that's probably one of the more stressful things in mm -hmm. life is carrying a lot of debt and we know that North Americans carry more debt than savings. That's right. That's so right. I think if anything, if this has done anything, it's given people that wake up call to say, okay, uh, even a mortgage, uh, mortgage, I do believe it comes from the French word. And I don't know the exact French word, but it's, it's like a, a death promise or something like there's death in it right well, well, more, like, yeah m-o-r-t mort is death right yeah. kathleen would know better than me sorry kathleen I'm... <laughs> so <laughs> i think to to just to to look at that and say do i want to be indebted to credit card companies and banks for the rest of my life sure what can i do to not be attached to this so i don't have to be attached to a job that i hate and is not treating me well 
Yeah. So I think that's going to be a big wake-up call for people. I think you're right. And I think the other wake-up call will be people who don't have any choice because their jobs have disappeared because that's there's all sorts one. of forecasts. And I don't want to get into the doom and gloom, but we know that many, many businesses will not reopen after this. Very true. And those people have to make a huge life change. And I think for many of them, it will be totally different jobs, careers, probably perhaps moving to smaller towns. I think there's going to be a, a lot of changes. Interesting. No, I just yes. wanted to get your perspective. So we mustn't run out of time. How do people get hold of you? And, and who do you want to get hold of you, Tanya? Who can you help? I can help people who want to make a change in life. And uh, especially if you are living with um, a high-functioning addiction, as a lot of professional people are doing. Uh, I know I, I hid mine for a very long time. I managed my addiction by the skin of my teeth throughout my journalism career. And I was uh, keeping company with a lot of people who were in the same boat as well. Sure. So I think anyone who is ready to make the changes, when your life becomes intolerable, that's when change will happen. And I'm more than willing to talk to anybody ready to make that change. Great. And how do they contact you? You can uh, get me at my e Gmail account, Tanya McIntyre at gmail.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A-M-A-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E at gmail.com. Okay. And, and if they want to- track me down social media through that as well. And what about you? I mean, your website is, is wonderful. Which website should they go to? Thank you. Gotta love love.com. The Beatles had it right all along. All you need <laughs> is love. Love is all you need. Gotta love love.com. Okay, yeah. we will put that there for everyone to look at. Wonderful. <laughs> so we are just about out of time. So I am going to say goodbye. Thank you so much, Tanya. And uh, thanks, Kathleen. Thanks to all our listeners. We'll be back again soon with another guest. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you so much. Bye.